Hello and welcome to Casting Nets Beyond the Sermons. I'm Pastor Dave Rudat. I'm joined here today with Pastor Will Harley from St. John in Maribel. He's sitting there in Maribel Caves. And also by Pastor Dave Endor from Brooklyn Lutheran Church in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Uh, right before the show, right before I hit record, we were talking about the meanest reindeer. Santa's meanest reindeer. Do you guys know who that was? No. Olive. Olive, the other reindeer, used to laugh and call him names. Oh, jeez. And that's almost as, that, that's almost as bad as uh, what kind of steak does a cat like? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and since it's like Christmas time, you, you mentioned Christmas presents before the show. Do you know where stormtroopers shop for their Christmas gifts? No. Any place next to Target. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a new term for those elves up there because they they don't like being called elves. Now they're called subordinate clauses. So um, how many shows did he miss? Are we making up for (laughs) (laughs) the last one of the year? It's a season finale. So we've pulled out all of the stops. (laughs) And hopefully it's not a cliffhanger. And we've spent the entire budget on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty low budget. Yeah, our budget's been decreased because Fellowship Coffee has withdrawn their support of our show. Supporters of our show, anyway. I mean, it really, I mean, it was really sad here to Mando. We lost our fellowship coffee, but fortunately, good coffee came through for us. And now when you come to Emmanuel, you'll have good coffee and it will taste like fellowship. It will. It will. (laughs) So good coffee just gave you the dregs. (laughs) (laughs) They won't know the difference. Yeah. Yeah, just make it instant. <laughs> oh. oh, nobody deserves instant coffee. <laughs> my dad, so true story, my dad loved instant coffee over percolated coffee. In some manuscripts, the description of hell is there will be weeping, gnashing of teeth, and, and instant, instant coffee. coffee. Yeah, yeah, I, I do remember that. That was in one of the targums. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, tis the season, right? And there's no snow out here anyway. So, what do you need coffee for? Nothing warm. It's not even cold. Although yesterday there was a cool breeze. So. All right. So, Advent 3, the Gaudate, 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 Gaud, how do you say it? We didn't practice this beforehand. I did not practice this beforehand. <laughs> the rust is showing. The third Sunday of Advent, the joy candle where you, or the rose-colored candle, or pink-colored candle, if however you want to describe it. That candle's lit, so our it's kind of a reprieve from the repentance theme of the other for other three Advent Sundays. However, there is some still there's still some repentance 
in these texts that we have today. So today we do not have the triumvirate. So we, uh, no one has done the Old Testament lesson. We got two guys who have done the gospel lesson and one guy who has done the first lesson from first, uh, second lesson from first Thessalonians chapter five. So we'll begin with Will Harley. He's got John. So we'll bring up John here. You said you have just verse 10. Uh, six through eight for this one. All right. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. So there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only or he came only as a witness to the light. And that was where I ended. But I'll read the rest so that when uh, um, when other Dave, the wrong Dave picks up. Uh, He'll have it already read. So then verse 19, now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. So finally they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the, in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees had been sent, questioned him, uh, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? He says, I baptize with water. John replied, but among you stands one. Where am I now? All right. Among you stands uh, one uh, who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany at the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. So there's the text. I focused on just the first uh, verses of that text uh, dealing with the light. So six through eight. Um, Interestingly enough, you know, this is um, um, uh, John. He, John, the gospel writer, the apostle, he kind of breaks the the narration of the coming of Christ and, and his Old Testament connections uh, being there in the very beginning, um, being there when the earth was created and and how everything is created through him. He he then breaks into um, a lesson where he brings up John, some beautiful words that he, he doesn't even have to say John the Baptist. It's not like um, he needs to qualify that. So it tells you his writer or his uh, listeners already knew, you know, John was pretty popular. John, they, they kind of knew who John the baptizer was. Um, but you have this this interesting interplay, and I, and I kind of started my devotion. Um, it wasn't a full uh, full blown sermon because we had kind of a, a special service for our our loving arms and for our preschool. Um, so I had a kind of devotion, and I and I started it off. I read the text, um, but then I just took out a flashlight, and um, I had a good opportunity to shine a flashlight into everyone's eyes. How many um, lumens was it? It was like eight hundred and fifty something like that. It was bright enough to, to be seen. And, and so I just stood there and I, I kind of shone the flashlight around, um, in everyone's face. And I said, um, what am I doing? And, um, of course the little kids were like, you're, you're shining a flashlight in my eyes. And one of the other little kids was like, you didn't hit mine. And so I pointed it right at him. Um, and I said, now you don't feel left out. Uh, 
<laughs> but but they they got it. Um, you know, they they understood I was shining a flashlight um, in their eyes and I was I was shining a light at them. Um, I didn't have to tell them. I didn't have to explain that. Um, they they knew that already. And that kind of led into my sermon. I said, you know, it seems odd. Um, the words that John the apostle is is sharing with us, you know, why would anybody need to testify to light? I said, you know, we could turn off all the lights in, in this room. And I said, we could turn one light on and everyone would see it. We, I wouldn't have to point out that light and say, look over there. Let me describe this light to you. You would all see it. You would all know it. When we step outside and we see the sun shining, we know the light. And I said, so it, it tells you who the crowd is that John is, re- is talking to. I said, the crowd that he's talking to need someone to describe the light, to bear witness to the light because they're blind. And I said, so that tells you that the, the people that need to hear this message, the people whom John is sent to, the people who he bear, bears witness for um, or, or bears witness to is, is the people who are blind. And I said, so much like us, we're blind to the things that are right in front of us, blind to the workings of our Lord as he continues to reach into our lives to give us all good things, uh, blind to the workings of the forgiveness of sins that he so freely offers through through that child who's now wrapped, humbled himself and, and was allowed to be wrapped in swaddling clothes, you know, laying in a manger. I said, you know, we're blind to the gifts that God continues to reach into this world to do, to bring peace to mankind um, from heaven itself. And, and so we need to have that testimony to the light. I said, you know, it's not a coincidence that the first shepherds uh, who are standing in darkness, all of a sudden upon them, the glory of, of the Lord, the light was shown uh, and they saw for the first time, the, the bear the first witness of the savior to come. I said, it wasn't a, a coincidence that, that many times throughout um, our Lord's testimony and walking through the world, he, he tells us to be lights in this world that we are to be sharing uh, with them or that he healed the blind who couldn't see and that they saw him for who he is. Um, I said, because we need a witness. And then I brought in how um, our children were that witness for us today. Um, even in their screaming, even in their yelling, even in their, um, they weren't singing on pitch, but they would, they would yell out Jesus name. They were bearing witness to the light. I said, they weren't the light, although we clapped and cheered and then we were very happy to have them there. And I said, but they weren't the light. They were reflecting that light, pointing to the light of Christ and what he has done for them. And so I had an opportunity in the sermon to, to you know, thank those parents who, who allowed us to share Jesus with their children, who then are coming and hearing Jesus shared with them. Um, because we're blind and we need to have a witness to the light. We're blind and we need to have someone uh, share with us the, the marvel of Christ and what he has done and the forgiveness of sins and to bear witness to that. And we aren't the light. We're not the ones doing anything. We're not the ones saving anyone, but he saves us and brings light into our life. Um, and so it was a it was a very short. It wasn't very long, um, but it was the idea of of bearing the witness of the light. Um, I wanted to get into, and I, I I didn't because well, you have eighteen kids. Um, they're not very patient, <laughs> so especially at that age range. Um, so we had eighteen kids in in the preschool class, and we had another. 
um, maybe seven kids that were from Loving Arms, which are even younger. And so, you know, you, you got a, a, only a little bit of time to work with. I wanted to share with them, you know, just the unique nature of, of what Jesus says about John, you know, that, that um, Jesus calls John a, a, a light, uh, you know, he calls him a flame, um, and in who burns for for the message, uh, and yet John says, "Nope, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a light. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a." Um, and Jesus, is like he is a prophet, it is Elijah. Um, he is these things. Um, so you see the humility of of the messenger, and I really would have wished I would have brought that out, or could have brought that out more. The humility of the messenger, um, the ones who bear the message of Christ to those who need to hear it um, aren't doing it because they are great, but they're doing it because they're affected. They, they see it and they want to share it. Um, and I didn't get a chance to, to really bring that out. And I did not bring out any part of the rest of the text, not because it's not good, but because I think um, there was a lot of people in the congregation who are unchurched and, and I don't think they would understand. Um, and it would have taken far more time to bring them to that point of understanding. And, and I think you would have lost a lot. So I tried to keep it as short and sweet. And it's a good, a good uh, topic that you dwelled on it, that we are always testifying to Christ and how this is something that happens in church at loving arms and also in your homes. And, yep. and this is how crisis continues to shine through his word uh, in all of those places. And so this, it makes the Christmas story not just about the kids, but reminding us what, what exactly are we doing here? Uh, we are testifying to this great light who has come into the world to save us. And this is something that can be reciprocated from people who know it to people who don't know it, people who don't know it to people who do know it, back and forth. Because we, like you said, we need it. We need to be reminded that we are dark and he is the light. And that was the point. So and hopefully they left with that. Did we leave anything for Dave? I there was a ton for Dave. The whole last half, nineteen through twenty-eight. So nine verses for you. So <laughs> as I was preaching on it, the I did it better. <laughs> this is not yeah, an award absolutely. show. Yeah. I took my full forty-five minutes. Uh, <laughs> I I, I took the approach that, you know, John came preaching a, a message of repentance, which is, you know, sorrow over our sins and, and faith in, in Christ. It's that change of mind that God wants us to have, that that's not necessarily the message we want to hear. And, and, and so the law section and, and the law message really was, you know, we don't really want a Messiah. We want a cute little baby. We want all kinds of other things. And, and so I, I addressed how John the Baptist prepared the way for Christ. And I, I used a, an extended metaphor of a, of a Christmas meal, you know, that, that John the Baptist was the guy who... Um, who got up early to put the turkey in, you know, 4 a.m., you got to start cooking the big bird. And 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 he was there to lay the foundation by by 
beginning the early recruitment of people like James and, and John and, and Philip and Nathaniel. And, and so when Jesus shows up, he, he says, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they do. And part of that is because they had already been following John the Baptist. You know, they'd already had that introduction and that faith worked in their hearts as, as they had been learning from him. And, and so that was John the Baptist pointing to Jesus and saying, he's the Messiah. He's the one you need to follow. And he had prepared the way for that. And then another part was that, you know, here he was out in the desert and, um, and, and, it, and, and he had been eating locusts and, and wild honey and, and wearing a, a hair shirt and and he has these people coming out to him and, and interrogating him and 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 Jesus was completely the opposite of that and, and he says and so Jesus later on is going to point out um you know, Jesus came, or John came neither eating nor drinking, and you didn't like him. I came both eating and drinking, and you don't like me. The, the problem's with you, not not with us. And and so this is like at a, a meal where, you know, you've got turkey and ham and, and green beans and broccoli casserole and, and mashed potatoes and stuffing and and if you starve, it's your own fault because there's there's plenty of food and there's plenty of choices and 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 that's God's generosity. If we starve, if we reject God, it's not God's fault; it's ours. You know, and and that's part of how John the Baptist prepared the way for Christ as well. You know that he came preaching a message of repentance, and so those people. Who, who wanted a, a stricter person, you know, who wanted more of a, that, that hard line kind of um, religious personality had that because that, that's what God does. And, and he does it today too. You know, if you want this kind of worship or, or that kind of worship, it's there, you know, um, one of the things that it, when I was in the Manitowoc conference, you know, I, when I talked to delinquents, you know, well, I can't make it to church. You don't have church at our time. It's like, I, you can go to church like every night of the week, except like Tuesday and Friday around here. You know, if you don't go to church, it's because you're choosing not to go to church. Um, and, and, and and so on the one hand, if you starve, it's your own fault. On the other hand, that gives us comfort as we think about the ones we love and, and care about that, you know, God's reaching out to them as well. And, and so we get to be a part of that. We get to be one of those dishes that God's choosing you because you're unique and, and you're going to be one of the people that, that God is, has chosen to be a part of somebody's life, to reach out to them, because that's, you're going to be the bridge that works. You're, you're going to be the type of person who is appealing to them. And, and that's a, a wonderful blessing that, that we get to rejoice in because, you know, we are God's dearly loved and forgiven children. And then finally, you know, Jesus is going to take this question uh, about John's baptism. 
and he's going to take it, you know, all the way from the the beginning of of you know even before his ministry to the end of his ministry at at, at Holy Week, you know, in that final those final confrontations with the Pharisees, and and it's, um, you know, I'll, I'll answer your question if you tell me John's baptism. Where did it come from? Did it come from God? Or did it come from man? And they're not going to be able to answer it. And so the final way that that John the Baptist prepared the way was, you know, this confrontation at the end where it made it clear that the the problem with the, the Pharisees and the tax collectors, or not the tax collectors, the, the leaders of the Jews was... Um, it was a confrontation between them and God, and, and and they fully had rejected God at this point, and and so they ended up crucifying Jesus, and so the way to the cross was made straight for for Jesus at that point, um, and and so. You then have really the the three points of what God does, you know, sending out workers into the the harvest fields, you know, reaping the harvest, you know, and then, of course, the the gospel message, not quite necessarily in their logical progression, but as John the Baptist prepared the way for for Christ. And so we are forgiven for not wanting the right Messiah at Christmas, for wanting different kinds of presents. We're forgiven for for timidity in sharing that word. And and we still have this amazing opportunity and we're still a part of that plan of salvation. And so we we look at Christmas not just as a time for family, but as a time to share with our family this is what Christmas is about. Your Savior died for you. I, I really like how you brought out um, <clears throat> in the sermon, it's, the, it, it's, it's really our fault. Um, there's a, this a deep theological truth that I don't think we like to recognize in our own sinful nature, and that is, that is all good things that we receive is to God's credit. And all bad things is our fault. And and that is a deep theological truth that, that I think you so beautifully brought out that, you know, in just simple ways, if you want to worship your Lord, there are opportunities everywhere. If you don't, it's your fault. It's not God's fault that he didn't all of a sudden, you know, sit down with you and say, what's going to work best on your time schedule on your day? you know, when you want to make room for it, it's available. Um, you know, it, it, there's just so many truths to that, you know, that, well, I don't like the way that this church does. Well, there, you know what? There's another church down the road that you can go to. Um, St. John Maribel. Surely there is another church. Surely, <laughs> surely there's another church. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. You're not going to offend me if you yeah. decide to go to a different church. Hey. I will rejoice that you are hearing well, God's yeah. word. Yeah. Right. And and we all have to realize and, and I think this is Agreed, that, David. Yeah. There there's a there's a realize I think there's the point that we all have to realize, right, in, in life that not every pastor is going to be for every person. 
you know, there is that there's this truth to that, that, that sometimes our own personalities get in the way because we're human and we're sinners and, and they're not going to be, you know, what the, the, the flavor of every person, our personalities will clash and that's okay. That doesn't mean that you throw it out, that you throw out worship and now God's no longer there. And then you, and you brought that theological truth perfectly. I think it was, was just beautiful. Um, I, yeah, did you feel, and maybe you're never going to find, I just want to, can I, yeah, you can never find a pastor that's going to be able to, um, scratch you where you itch because Jesus made that point. John was fasting and you didn't like him. I'm feasting. You don't like me. In the end, it comes down to the Lord has called this person in front of you to give you God's word. And, and you are getting in the way because you want him to have a certain personality. Yeah. I agree with everything you said that we don't always reach every individual the same way. And some people we reach more than others, but we are still called to reach those people that are in that, in that group. Yeah. And I'm not saying you don't try. I'm just saying you, yeah. you might not. Yeah. I mean, and some people are okay with you trying and they're like, we understand that you're trying and there's disagreements that we might have on a personal level, but we understand and we hear the gospel ringing and they're, and they're happy with that. Um, then there are others that are like, yeah, I don't like your personality. I'd rather go someone else. And that's like, okay, I, I get it. And, and, and ultimately it's that first group who are, you know, from the Old Testament, the oaks of righteousness for the display of God's splendor that Isaiah is talking about, you know, that, that they're going to be the ones God points to on Judgment Day and says, you know, they they had struggles with their pastor because he was a jar of clay, but they recognized that they had faith in me. And, and that is going to be a rebuke to those people who didn't. And and that is a display of God's splendor and and glory that, that it's meant to be, you know, that, that the people who are looking at the pastor and saying, this is the pastor I want, or this isn't the pastor I want, are looking at the wrong thing, you know, that, that we look at God and we trust in him. You know, that I, I never expected a perfect pastor. I expected a sinner. And I trust that God is the one at work. And so I'm going to find the blessings that God means to give me through this person. And maybe I won't see it until I get to heaven, but they're going to be there because that's what God does. Well, and I can definitely say with working with both of you uh, over the time that I've known you, that you both have not disappointed in that. I expected a sinner and you've proven that out. And I've also expected, you know, yeah. those to bring the gospel and you have brought the gospel. I, 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 my, my, I guess my follow-up question for you is, did you um, feel... Since you called uh, me maybe, a sinner, then I can put my Star Trek... And that is proof right there. I, I mean, that, I mean, what, what greater transgression can you have? <laughs> Be a Star but, Wars fan. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 this, this from the Broncos lover. Just remember, today only the Broncos fans, the gospel is for you. <laughs> but no, um, did you find, and, and maybe, maybe I missed it, but in, in your kind of rehashing and summary of your sermon, did you find that you gravitated more to using this particular text as a springboard into um, John's greater ministry as opposed to dealing with the conversation he had? Um, I, 
you know that that was that was something I went back and forth on because I preached on this text last year here and and I think no, it wasn't this one. I preached on on John. Obviously, it's John every year on the third Sunday. Um, but I got more into the weeds on this text last year, talking about the prophet and Elijah and exactly, and more about the conversation. And, and so this time I wanted to come back to what it meant that he was a witness to testify concerning the light, you know, that he pointed to Jesus as the Messiah what it meant that he was preparing the way for the Lord, what those words meant that he was saying. And so it is a little of both. It was a little of, you know, this is the broader ministry of John the Baptist. And so in that way, it was kind of a pretext as opposed to a text. But it, I was really trying to stick to you know, that, that phrase from Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord, you know, into the hearts of the early um, apostles, into the hearts of the crowds who, who saw him. And so some, some were faithful and, and some rejected him and and we see how jesus used that throughout his ministry and then especially at the end well and i'm not i'm not i'm not saying that the way you approached it was wrong it's just i think when you preach on on john's ministry it's hard not to do that it, yeah. it really is because it's it just and john presents such a different side to john's ministry um than i think you see in the other gospels right John presents a um, a side of of John that is is one of humility, um, and sometimes, like when you read from Luke or you read you read the occurrences uh, in Matthew, you almost get an arrogance. Right? He calls out the Pharisees, and he's and and it's and really he's not. I mean, he's he's law and gospel preacher. Um, but yeah, so I, I I'm not saying the way you approach. I think the way you approach it was masterful. It was very very good. Um, so definitely, I mean, um, you should take the. I haven't heard I haven't heard Dave Rudot's sermon. Um, so, but right now I think you're in the running for for best best of show this week. Um, <laughs> running of one since yours was a devotion. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> I, I, I didn't even make the running. Didn't even make the show. Um, but no, I just, I was just wondering, you know, cause sometimes we, and, and maybe our own listeners don't, don't understand when we say a pretext, we're saying that we're going to take a, a lesson <clears throat> that, that was part of the pericope or part of the, the lectionary readings. And we use that as a, as a springboard to really get into another part of scripture or to talk about something else from scripture than, than necessarily what that text is referring to and, and, and bringing out, um, and sometimes you need to do that and that's okay. Sometimes. And, and, but you did a really good job. So I'm just saying it was, it was very well done. So shall we turn to Shirley? Surely we can. So uh, the, this text is first Thessalonians chapter five, reading verses 16 to 24. Can you see it on the screen? Not really, so I'm going to have to make mine bigger. Okay. 
We also encourage you, brothers, to admonish those who are idle. Encourage, oh, I'm sorry, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not extinguish the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test everything, hold on to the good, keep away from every kind of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. I'm falling apart here. This is, uh, it's all done here. Uh, may the God of peace sanctify you through and through, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers, pray for us. Uh, um, yep, yeah, that's as far as we go. So verse 25, I'm all flustered here because my thing didn't work. Flashy buttons failed me. But uh, this was a text, this was like the first time, the previous Sunday, I could not function at all. This Sunday, I was not on anti-inflammatories. I was just on Tylenol, which wasn't really doing anything other than, um, so it was kind of a tom- time bomb for me as for doing a worship service. So I preached from the uh, um, my bar stool, the podcasting bar stool. So I told everyone, you're listening to your pastors talk to you from his favorite bar stool. And... Uh, and so we went ahead. First Thessalonians was a good text for me because it was a one that really hit me right in the heart because it was talking about rejoicing always and, and praying without ceasing. Those are two things that I found very difficult to do when I was sitting there uh, in, in bed not being able to do anything because of these muscle spasms or not knowing exactly what was going on, whether it was an internal thing, kidneys or gallbladder or what it was. So uh, it was a good text for me. So uh, my, my theme was you must always remember and I really played on the idea of always and how we, as a society, use always as a hyperbole. We don't mean always. We just use it as an hyperbole, like November, uh, December 7th, 1941. Never forget. Never forget. And I started off the sermon by saying, how many of you woke up this morning thinking about what happened in Pearl Harbor in 1941? Raise your hand. Never forget. Always remember. <laughs> right? How many of you guys woke up this morning, woke up, uh, you guys are both liars, by the way, so now you've evidence that you guys are sinners. So, um, anyway, so raise your hand, I would say, if you guys woke up this morning remembering the Alamo, always remember the Alamo. And, and I could have, 9-11 would have been another one I could have said, is never forget. It's the never, always and never. We use it as hyperbole. We don't mean... T- Always, we just mean that day or a length of time. But when we tell our kids, always look both ways when we cross the street, that's not something that they should, that not, not something that they should follow on the specific day that you said that every year, but always they should be watching where they're going or always play, saying please and thank you. So I really attacked always because that's what Paul says. This is a, such a beautiful sanctification text because he is going to have everything you need to preach th- sanctification. He has one, he has the law which he's going to tell you, these are the things. Always rejoice. I talked about what what joy, uh, and I used uh, C.S. Lewis's definition of joy as that unsatisfied desire, which is itself more desirable than any other satisfaction, because it's really hard to communicate joy and not mean happiness. So that that unsatisfied desire, uh, which itself is more desirable than any other satisfaction. And um, praying all the time, we talked about uh, not just... uh, the, having the posture of prayer, but just this ready to communicate to your Heavenly Father all the time. And then the third aspect was don't extinguish the Spirit's power, don't neglect the Word of God, which I had it in my sermon, but as I listened to it, I, I didn't really touch on that one. Um, but you know, hold on to God's Word, which is that fire within you that is going to work this work of sanctification inside of you. 
So all of this is law. You know, always, 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 always means always. We have to always do these things. And then I said, well, is this fair for God to tell us to always be joyful and always give thanks and always be praying? Well, God is a God who is always there for us. He is always ready to answer. He is always, the sun shines every day of the week, not just four of the five, seven days of the week, not just one day out of the year. So it just kept hammering, always, always, always. And then I turned the phrase, and, and, and then, of course, I, I, um, I, I told him, I hate it when pastors say you must always remember in their sermons because now I've known them for 15 minutes, and now the, I, the, I'm, I have to put something on my perpetual to-do list for the rest of my life. Um, and then my sermon theme was you must always remember. So I said, Pastor, your sermon theme says you must always remember. Yeah, because this is what Paul says, um, always remember all of these things. But then he's not just talking to us. He is talking to, uh, to God, that God is the one who always remembers. And that's where the beautiful gospel comes in. May the God of peace sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. How God will always remember what he, what he has promised in his word, and he's always going to be working through that word to uh, work that work of sanctification so that you, uh, um, well, first of all, giving you Christ's righteousness so that when God sees you, that's what he sees as somebody who is always praying and always joyful and always holding on to God's word. But then secondly, the Holy Spirit is always there working through that word because he promised to, always, always working in our hearts so that we are more than we were yesterday or that we are, even if we backslide, the, the Holy Spirit is there um, moving us to be um, better than we were. And we'll never get anywhere, but we have this Holy Spirit within us, and through that word, um, this amazing thing happens uh, inside of us and in this immaterial part of us, that soul, body, and, and spirit aspect of uh, your soul is who you are, your personality, everything. you're more than the sum of your parts, but that soul is also being worked on by the Holy Spirit. So it has this, this wonderful gift um, that is warring against uh, the sinful nature inside of you. So there's this life of sanctification of, of the Holy Spirit setting you apart from this unbelieving world, from the darkness of this world, to be um, the people of God. So verses 23 to 25 has all of those gospel indicatives where this is what God is going to do. This is who you are in Christ. This is what he is continues going to do because he promised it in his word. And so that's how I wrapped up the sermon was, um, brothers and sisters in Christ, when we say you must always remember, let that be a prayer to your God who, and re reflect on this is the God who is always going to do as he promised to work in your heart through the means of grace, word and sacrament um, to sanctify you. So what I didn't cover, obviously I didn't cover a lot of that, um, the squelching of the Holy Spirit's fire. I had that in my sermon, but while I was up there, I was, uh, like I said, I was a time bomb. I'm like, okay, how, how much can I, how much can I do in the time that I've been given and the energy that I've been given? I, I like the, um, <clears throat> I like the way that you kind of turned it around and it just leads me to wonder. Um, and maybe this is just my own brain working it through. If I was going to preach it, I like how you turn around and you, you know, that the, the gospel is our Lord is faithful and, and this is what our Lord does. But, but even in the remembering, right. The, the calling to remember our Lord does that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you could go back into the gospels and, and, and just, and, and the Lord sent the Holy spirit who caused them to remember everything that I've taught them. Right. Um, 
you know, the, the, the very act of praying, the Lord praying for us, giving us the words to pray, um, speaking in words and groans and, and, and things that we can't express. Just, just a, a beautiful, there's that, that beautiful, that, that beautiful course of where, you know, Augustine says, whatever God commands, um, what the God, God, God commands what he gives and gives what he commands. Mm-hmm. And that's what Augustine has said. Um, you know, just that beautiful reminder that, that you're called to remember, but it is God who, who brings that memory to account. Um, you're called to pray, but it is God who brings the prayer to account. Um, I wonder though, and, and this is maybe something you didn't pursue, but I wonder though, um, in, in the hitting home of the always and doing all of those things, I wonder if, if the gospel, and maybe this is the intent of the gospel in this particular section that, that someone stops and says, well, I can't do all those things. And so it rests on God alone. And I have no, I don't have to. And so they, they instead, instead of come off with the gospel of saying, I am, I am sanctified to do these things. They come off saying, well, if I don't do these things, well, God must not have done is all his fault. Yeah. Well, and that's the law, you know, and that's the effect of the law that shows, shows our sin and how we fall short. Right. But I mean, you could definitely, because I've, I've heard some, I, I mean, I, I mean, well, this is the, this is the response of the Catholic church um, to Luther, right? Um, you freed them. Now, what, now they'll have no ambition to do anything. <laughs> yeah. The gospel right. is, is, is powerful. So it's able to move us to do what we wouldn't do before. Right. Right. So, and that's where we rest in the power of the gospel, not in our, uh, the way that we phrase things. Well, but, but I'm, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the way that you presented the gospel is such a beautiful release, um, which is exactly how the gospel should be. I'm not, I'm not discrediting it. I'm just saying it's such a beautiful release that, that it almost takes the idea of sanctified living and puts it back in the hands of our Lord and says, okay, make me sanctified. <laughs> and he it, will. Yeah. yeah, I know. And he will. Yeah. It's and it's all on his timetable, right? And all and sometimes we we talked about that in our Pietism podcast, where uh, the there are fruits of the Spirit's work, but we can't be looking for oranges all the time. Uh, that it may not be what we, we we think they are. It's not we're not we're not the ones should, that should be looking at our own standard of oh, am I really sanctified? Am I really is God really working within me? That's not a, that's not a question that the believer should ask um, because that leads them to the law. That leads them to themselves looking at them um their own navel gazing basically is looking at their own like i I i'm not the christian that i should be and the answer is yeah you aren't the christian that you should be and god is still working on you uh through these means so uh, stay with and those means don't quench the spirit's fire and uh the holy spirit is always always ready to do that right i guess i want to jump in here and explain my own comment because sometimes i'm because there's some background to it. So in, in looking at the proper distinction between law and gospel, you'll, you'll read, there's some papers out there written by people who should know better, as in people who teach in Lutheran seminaries, not of our fellowship, who will comment on particularly this passage and call this a gospel passage 
you know, like verse 16, rejoice always, because it talks about joy. You know, and, and that's not gospel. That is law. That is a command. Rejoice always. Pray continually. That is a command. You know, and, and so the and so as we talk about it, you know, if you don't feel joy always, and, and this is what Pastor Rudat was talking about in his sermon. You know, if you don't feel joy always, if you're not always thankful, yeah, that's because you're a sinner. And, and that's where you have to go to verses, you know, uh, 23 and, and 24 and look at God who is thankful. Look at the actual gospel in this section, which is not us and God's command for us. It is instead yeah. God who is faithful. Yeah. And, and so when when we talk about law and gospel and properly dividing between law and gospel, just because it talks about joy and thankfulness does not make it gospel. Right. And I would say that you see here. And I would say it would even be law if you didn't have the word always and, and uh, continually, I mean, just just to have the command rejoice. I I can't do that. Um, You know, living in a world of sin, I have really nothing to rejoice over, you know, pray. Yeah. You know, I'm not motivated to. So just those words are law itself. Correct. And I I didn't talk about it when I was explaining the sermon, but uh, that first phrase in verse 23, may the God of peace that addresses the the Christian who is sitting there going, uh, I'm not who I, who I should be. God is the one who brings peace between you and him through his son, Jesus Christ. You are at peace with him. He, he, he doesn't see the, the, the failure. He sees Christ. And so he sees a person that um, he will continue to, to work on because that's who he is. He's a God of peace and, and, and be at peace, dear Christian. And I, I just used a command again, be at peace because of, of Christ. Yeah. Well, and, and, and then, Oh, go on. There are so many times in, in talking with a believer who is struggling with a hard problem in their life. They make it worse on themselves by saying, I should be dealing with this better. Why am I not dealing with this better? And it's like, well, yeah, you should be dealing with this better, but you're a sinner and that's why Jesus died for you. So this is where we continue by saying, thanks be to Jesus who gives us the victory. You know, that, that we don't just stop with beating ourselves up, but we rejoice that this is why God came to save us. This is why he sent his son, you know? I think, I think there's a, there's also that, that beautiful middle ground there where, where you have some statements that, that I think our sinful nature wants to cling to and say, these are law. Like um, Pastor Rudat, you were saying, be at peace. And, and you can look at that and say, well, there was another command. But is it? I mean, you have that passive, and we don't deal well with English in the passive. Be at peace. That is a gift. That's like saying you go to Leviticus 19 and you hear, be holy as I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And we're like, that's law. That's all law. I have to be. Is it? Or is it God pronouncing over you in, in his gifts that he has given, be holy. You are now holy because I am. And I'm working through these means, and so you are. Um, you know, there, there's a there. I, I, I'm not saying I'm discrediting somebody that sees that and says, "Oh, I can't be holy," and the, and the law has affected them, and they understand it. But, but there's also this that beauty that that in the gifts that God gives through His Word and through His sacraments, 
you are these things because he has declared them. And so you are. Um, in the receiving of the word, in the receiving of the sacraments, you are holy. Um, in the receiving of the word and receiving of the sacraments, you, you are now at peace. You know, so be at peace because God has pronounced it because he is faithful and it rests on him and he pronounces it and what he pronounces he does. Um, so there's, there's just that beauty. You, know, you could play off of that all day in, in saying, you know, you know, how can these things happen? Because our God is faithful. <laughs> That's how it happens. Well, and, and that's the wonderful blessing that you were talking about of the performative word where God gives us what he commands, right. you know, but at, at the same time, as as pastors, as people who are sharing the word, you know, we have to understand that, you know, this is one thing we have to look out for in our hearers, that when we say rejoice always, some of them are going to hear that and say, why am I not rejoicing? Some of them are going to hear that and say, oh, I get to rejoice because God loves me. Right. And, and so you, you, you've got to always have that. This is why whoever can properly distinguish between law and gospel deserves to be called a, a doctor of theology. And, and there you go. And, and we're still working on that. Yes, so all three I'm, of us. Yeah. Well, some of us more than others. I'll let you decide. I'm not working on being a doctor of theology. Yeah. That is that is too much. Um, no, it, but I, but there's a beauty, and and I think, and you don't want to you 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 know, like you had said, rightly divide. So you don't want to mingle law and gospel. But but I think sometimes what we what we see in the law, like what we hear in the Decalogue, and we hear in the Ten Words, um, and and we like to apply that, and we say, okay, all of these things are law, and they are. They are the mirror, sort of you know, the curb, yeah. but they're also, they're also the words of sanctification, right. For the Christian, um, that, that in Christ, these things are because of Christ working in us attainable in, in some ways. Um, that doesn't mean the battle is not still there between our sinful nature. The law will always condemn. Um, and it's just that I, I so back yeah. to the sermon, I like how you beautifully kind of wrapped that in, into the sermon, that, that tension, between the law that condemns us and why should I rejoice and why should I pray? And even bringing yourself into that and saying, when I was <laughs> laid up at home and hurting, what an opportunity to always be praying, but you weren't, <laughs> you, know, you were, um, but you could have, but you, sh and you should have, but you didn't. And yet the beauty is our Lord, right? The God of peace has sanctified me through and through. He's not done yep. with me yet. He's keeping me blameless through his means, through the Holy Spirit, which is what he promises to do. And, and he uh, heard your he heard your prayers and your pain. And the grunts. And the yeah. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and you were praying continually even when you weren't speaking the words. Yeah. Um I mean, there's this beauty in how you wrap that up. And and so what a masterful, what a what a masterful piece. So um Paul, from the good job. That you heard, good job, Paul. Yeah. 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 Well, the two sermons that you heard today, dear listeners, um, I mean, I'm not even in the running. Mine was a devotion. It's a different category altogether. But of the two sermons, I think both of them deserve the podium. I, I think it we're equal opportunity. And so uh, we'll give the gold medal to both of you gentlemen. Uh, this is not an award show. It, 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 the final show. This is the final show of the, the year. The finale. We have the, have this is the finale. So someone has to go home with an award. But you, you do realize that even crackpot award. Yeah. Crockpot. Crockpot award. 
cracked pot. Oh, cracked yeah, pot. Both of you, both of you get yeah. to be the, the, the greatest cracked pot. <laughs> I'll go home with the jar of clay award. That's that's the one I'll take. So, yeah, I did no. like uh, being back on the show and spending some time with you guys again and uh, able to do it without uh, pain, which is nice, and without thinking about pain, which is nice. Yeah, and we're glad to have you back. I mean, we were missing the dad jokes. We we just aren't good at dad jokes. They were pretty good. I liked them. You would say you would say so. I mean, that's, yeah, that's your thing. Yeah, that's, and I'm I'm happy not to do flashy buttons. <laughs> so our next show will be when. Yeah, well, we're looking at uh, into the new year now. So um, yeah, we're we're off on Thursday. Um, I think we had decided that, right? No show on Thursday, um, as we're getting ready for the celebration of, of Christmas and, and the like, and then taking a week off. So, um, I'm all right with the, what would that be? The second being back for beyond the sermon. Oh, the second for beyond the sermon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm all right with that. And then being back on the fourth for, for a Thursday show. Um, uh, I'm going to be busy on the fourth. Maybe we should, he's uh, going to be having a party. (laughs) Wild, wild party. Yes. (laughs) So, oh yeah. So dear listener, let's just go to the January 2nd and then we'll figure out what we're going to do on the fourth later on. Absolutely. Sounds from, good to me. From all of us here at Casting Nets, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Um, Richard, you've, heard, you've heard, yeah, uh, you've heard of uh, Elf on the Shelf. How about you in the pew? I like that one. I'm going to give you that one. That was good. I, uh, that was uh, that was good. So, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas, Happy New Year. Um, may it be a joyous time to spend with your family around uh, the manger as you remember our Lord coming for you. Uh, and then just don't forget, remember that same baby in the manger died for you. So, and rose again. And that's always the best thing to remember. So 